Welcome to Midweek in the Word, where each week we seek to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. This podcast is brought to you by Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, here is your host, Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries Pastor, Pastor Brad Myers. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Midweek in the Word. Welcome to another episode as we seek to dive into God's Word, as we seek to understand what He says to us through it, so that we can be better readers, hearers, and doers of His Word. Um, Hopefully, last week, you really enjoyed the opportunity to have a ministry highlight another one. You hopefully put up with with me being on the podcast, and Troy was gracious enough to step on and do that interview. So hopefully, that was helpful to you. Hopefully, um, that was something that uh, illuminated some things that you may not have been aware of, Um, but I'm excited for this week because I'm excited we're going to be moving back from the ministry highlight into our What Does the Bible Say About series here on the podcast, podcast. and as we do that, we've got a, uh, what, what may be one of the most critical doctrines in all of Scripture today. So, so I invited Tom to come back onto the podcast to clarify all of our questions on this essential doctrine. Welcome back to the yeah. podcast, Tom. Hey, nice to be back, I think, with an introduction like that. I'm not sure. <laughs> We're not setting you up at all, we promise. This should be a straightforward one, hopefully. It's a little yeah. challenging, but we'll handle that uh, in stride. Um, listeners, but before we get into that topic, let me just remind you um, that I tackled the fourth church in our new sermon series this last Sunday uh, in our Dear Church, Seven Letters to Christ's Bride sermon series. We talked about Thyatira and how Christ had a lot of really good things to say about that church, but really took issue with their lax theological understanding and their tolerance for immorality in their church. If you missed that message, let me just remind you, you can go back to our website, faithbiblelincoln.org, and find that message under the resources tab, just hitting the sermons button. You can also search for our sermons feed podcast. Just look for Faith Bible Church, Lincoln, Nebraska, wherever you get your podcasts, and it's the black background with the white letters. That's our sermons feed podcast. You can catch up on any of those that you've missed over the weeks, especially with this summer. I know a lot of people are traveling, so if you missed one of those, find those in one of those two places. We'd encourage you to catch up on that sermon series. Okay, now, Tom, like I said earlier, we've, we've got one of the most central doctrines in all of Scripture here this week. Yeah. Uh, we are talking about the doctrine of sin. Last week, we talked about the doctrine of mankind, and we talked about how we were made in the image of God, perfect. Then we get to Genesis 3, and we've got sin entering the equation. It doesn't get more central to the bullseye than this. So let me attempt to just kind of sum up a bit of this conversation uh, with our doctrinal statement that talks about mankind. Listeners, here's what Faith Bible Church's doctrinal statement says. We believe man was created in the image and likeness of God in innocence and without sin. That was last week. That was the reality. And then through Adam's sin, all humanity has fallen and is in rebellion against God and is therefore spiritually dead and alienated from God. That's the idea of sin. So, Tom, in addition to what we've got in our doctrinal statement, obviously, what does the Bible say about sin? Well, it's interesting that the last line that you just read in in Ezekiel, the prophet said, your sin has separated you Mm. from God. And so that, that theme really laces the scriptures together. It's the, it's the Genesis 3 act of rebellion that caused God to send them out of the garden. And so the narrative of redemption is based on the, the crisis created by an act of rebellion and sin. And uh, so it, the, the book opens up on a glorious note with this perfect creation, and it falls apart quickly. It's time mm-hmm. you get to the end of chapter 3, and then, then you see the spiraling effect, uh, sin, the wages of sin is death. And so you get death in Genesis chapter yep. 4, 
You get the parade to the cemetery in Genesis chapter 5. You get to Genesis 6, and it says, And God looked down, and he saw that the intent of every man's heart was to do evil continually. Mm -hmm. So that lays the foundation, which explains then the disarray and the disorder and the chaos Mm -hmm. in humanity that flows through the Scripture. So uh, every narrative, every story is the story of a sinful individual seeking to either be restored to God or run and hide from God, <laughs> like the first couple. Yeah, and I, I love that you target and that our doctrinal statement has that word rebellion. I, it, yeah. It's so helpful for me, especially when I'm trying to explain, like, what is sin, you know, to my kids, to my four-year-old at home yeah. or something. It's really that idea of rebelling against sin. I don't want to do what you want me to do. And that and was it, really the issue. And the Bible leaves uh, uses a number of what seem to be almost synonyms to describe sin, but, you know, sin is basically, uh, he says in Romans 3, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, you know, sin being that missing the mark, which indicates then that there is an absolute righteous standard mm. that it, we are measured by, and we do our very best in our human strength to to measure up, and we miss the mark. Mm. So everyone does that. There are sins of commission, which... I know the right thing to do, and I choose not to do it. I did omission. Well, I didn't know that that was wrong. And, you know, it actually talks about God pouring out grace for a season of time. But the reality is, is that sin is just not measuring up to God's standard. But, but then it moves to, he uses the word transgressions. And transgressions seem to be a term used for sin when I know the right thing to do and I choose not to do it, or I know the wrong thing, this Mm. is wrong to do, but I choose to do it anyway, as you said, the act of rebellion. Mm. But then the third one, and it seems like there's a movement, is iniquity. Mm. So sin is missing the mark. Transgression is refusing to even shoot for the mark. And iniquity is a a heart set, a mindset Mm. of blatant rebellion. I will Mm. do life my way. Mm. It's almost almost that idea of the, the three types of fools that are mirrored in yeah. the book of Proverbs, where one is just ignorant, the next yeah. one is is intentionally disobeying, and then the last yeah. one is this rebellious, hardened heart attitude toward even the truth. Yeah, we, we summarize wisdom. that as the, the simple fool, the stubborn fool, and the scoffer. Just Very So it's kind of like sin defined in the Scripture seems to follow that same pattern. Okay, so, yeah. so we can define sin as this idea of our rebellion, our... Um, anti-authority against God, whatever He wants, as it, as it maybe this this progression where it yeah. gets more ingrained, this hardening of our heart that can take place as we rebel against God is continuing to happen. Um, obviously, a lot of times this this brings up the conversation of of theological terms would be total de- depravity. Okay, yeah. so we've got this sin idea that you've defined. What is total depravity in theological terms? Well, it, it, total depravity is simply the declaration that from the womb onward, a man's heart is set in rebellion to God, and uh, and he is therefore incapable, or as he says in Ephesians 2, while we were yet dead in our trespasses and sins. So depravity is basically uh, the deadness of the human soul, even though we're kind of like the walking dead. So mm. even though we appear to be alive, the reality is we are spiritually dead. We are So it's the separation that took place in Genesis 3 at the end. Mm. Depravity is being separated from God and incapable of charting a path back to him. Mm. So of a radical dependence on God to step in and do something to rescue us. Yeah. 
Yeah, obviously not as bad as we could be. Yeah. We could always be, yeah. be worse. We can always think yeah. of someone, you know, everybody thinks of Hitler or whatever the, the yeah. example would be, not as bad as we could be, but totally incapable of saving ourselves Yeah, in even, our the, even the baby, and you've got this in your own home, you know. Oh, yes. The next thing that will happen is your newborn <laughs> will just be left in his crib, and he will be screaming his lungs out, mm-hmm. and you will run in there thinking a strange snake has crawled mm-hmm. into the crib or something, <laughs> and as soon as you break the shadow of the door frame, he'll start laughing. Everything's fine. And you realize that he was born a little liar. Yes. <laughs> so that's, that's what total depravity is. It's, it's, not, it's not learning, growing into an attitude of rebellion against God, but it's being born hostile mm. to God. Yeah, having that having that uh, inborn sin from Adam yeah, that we've inherited yeah. from Genesis yeah. 3. Which, yeah. by the way, comes by way of the father, <laughs> yeah, let's just not make the mother. So. Head, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I love that illustration. I've often told people my, my doctrine of total depravity has become much more sure <laughs> since having children. It's amazing how we don't have to teach them to lie. We don't have to teach them to manipulate. We don't have to teach them anything. We have to teach them patience, and we have yeah. to teach them all these positive things. It is very true. Okay, so this is this is our understanding of sin. This is, this is the fundamental flaw in humankind and in culture and in the world, you know, so many implications. Like, that's why yeah. our cultures are messed up. That's why there's disease. That's why the world is fundamentally flawed and broken. You know, Scripture teaches that even creation is waiting yeah. for the restoration, this fixing of this problem. Okay, you've brought up Romans 3.23 already. You've talked about Ephesians 2. Where else in Scripture do we get this understanding of sin? Well, you, you see it in, in the model or the pattern of every life. But uh, also the, the prophets speak of it clearly mm-hmm. as there is, the, there is the wrath or the judgment of God coming. There is the ultimate eternal wrath judgment of God yet to be displayed against sin. But uh, at the same time, there are those in, in this life here and now, we see the discipline or the correction of God. So it, it, it ties all of the scripture together. Uh, it, there's the principle of the presence of sin and the power of sin the penalty for sin, and then mm. ultimately the payment for sin, which is the redemptive mm. narrative. So uh, what, what he promised in the garden that there would be a covering for the sinner is ultimately provided on the cross with yeah. the shedding of blood, and there's the covering for man's sin. And so again, it, it's in every book of the Bible, every chapter mm. addresses this topic. It is funny to think, I, I often think in, in terms of like the storyline of the Bible, you know, that we get creation and then fall, and that all happens in the first three chapters yeah. of, of yeah. the Bible, and then all the way leading up to Christ is yeah. this period where basically we just get these stories over and over and over yeah. and over again. It, you know, of you know the, the Tower of Babel and the you know, story of Noah and the people of Israel, and all of yeah. them are really exemplifying for us that depravity that. Yeah. It's not. It's not a matter of the condition of the environment that someone lives in. Yep. It's not a matter of, you know, different people. Every single person has this fundamental flaw yeah. um, that has to be fixed by Christ coming and in the New Testament. It's, it's an inside flaw. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, as, yeah. as Jesus said, it's the things that proceed from the heart. Yeah. You know, and so we we think, as you said, it's it's environmental. If we can just change the environment or the economic position mm. or standard, or new friendships will change it. The problem is it's a heart issue, and that's revealed all the way through. That's why you go all the way back to Genesis 6. He saw that the intent of every man's heart was mm. to do evil yeah. continually. Yeah, yeah. I, 
It's, it's all over. Admittedly, it's hard to ask the question, where's this teaching found when the whole yeah, Bible yeah. really teaches our doctrine? <laughs> yeah. And this is part of the reason it's such a center bullseye doctrine is because it's so clear yeah. in Scripture. Well, I, th- we I think, believe. you know, I would, I would say if somebody's wrestling to try to understand sin, uh, just a, a, a good read of the book of Romans mm. helps. You know, he begins in chapter 1, verse 18, that there is an innate knowledge of the attributes, the very character mm. of God in every man. So he's not only born a sinner, but he's also born informed of a holy God and all. But knowing that, he suppresses that knowledge and begins then to exchange the creator for creation at his object of worship and the spiraling down, which sets up then the tone. And then there's the self-righteous in chapter 2 of Romans. So then chapter 1, even those who know that this is a death penalty sin, they encourage each other to do it. Yeah. And then you've got the self-righteous in chapter 2 going, yeah, God ought to judge them. They deserve it. And he goes, wait a minute. When you point the <laughs> finger at them, you've got three fingers pointing at yourself. Yeah. Even even the holy Joes that are doing it in the flesh, no matter how your rules are, mm. until finally you come to chapter 3, there's none righteous, not even one. All have sinned and fallen short. So, yeah, it, it, it ties the Scripture together. And then Romans, of course, gives us God's solution to that, which is the redemptive narrative of Scripture yeah. again. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I love that you highlight that. I One of the biggest misunderstandings that I find talking to unbelievers frequently is they think those that attend church, those that are Christians, are somehow holier. You know, they're, they're like people that think they're better, that they don't yeah. have sins. And it's like, yeah. just the opposite is true. To be a believer, yeah. you have to recognize that you're fundamentally flawed. That's why you need that's Jesus right. to begin with, that's right. <laughs> is the reality of it. Yeah. Very good. Okay, so so that's kind of what the Bible teaches about sin. That's kind of where, again, it's hard to say exactly where. Romans is an excellent place to yeah. go, and the whole Bible is a good place to look at sin. Every character we see in the Old Testament just exemplifies that for us. Now let's get into the third question as far as disagreements. Now, sin is obviously a center bullseye doctrine, you know, so so there's there's a whole lot of agreement. We know that. But yeah. is there is there any area that there's maybe some disagreement about sin in the lives of believers? Well, there are there are theological teachings that say that uh, if you are born again by his amazing grace, uh, saved by grace, Ephesians 2, that you become then perfect, that mm. is, uh, without sin on any level. And uh, John addressed that in First John chapter 1. He who says he has no sin is a liar. The truth's not in him. You yeah. know? It, it, in the context of saying, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. So there is that, that teaching that once saved, you'll not sin again. So if you sin again, you must not have been saved. Mm. And mm-hmm. so I had a friend in high school, I think he got saved for the 14th time mm-hmm. because his doctrinal training was that you should be sinlessly perfect. So there's only one solution. So that would be one. I think another... Uh, is probably what comes closer to our world is just the discussion about, uh, as we'd already mentioned, what is total depravity? And it's based on how are we saved? Are we rescued by God's saving grace, or do we choose to be saved by his grace? And again, uh, he says in Ephesians 2, while you were yet dead in your trespasses and sins, he's made us alive. So uh, there's a, a disagreement, even though everyone probably would say, I believe in total depravity, that there's still just enough life kicking in me to think that I could choose to trust Jesus when the reality is that uh, a dead person can respond to no instruction. Mm. And so uh, there's, there's some disagreement there. 
So I'd say the one on sinless perfection is a heresy. I would say on the other, on the total depravity, it's just a, a misunderstanding or a disagreement about what it means to be totally mm. depraved. Mm. And don't worry, listeners, we have we have been sure to invite in a guest to yes. talk about the doctrine <laughs> of election. In a couple of weeks, we'll have Brad Orta back on the podcast, and he Brad will hit it out gracious enough yeah. to be willing to tackle that subject and uh, hopefully not get shot for it. So we're, we're going to cover that. We know you have some questions related to that likely, um, but we will, we will try and address that as fully as we can in 30 minutes on a podcast at least uh, here in a couple of weeks. Okay, so there's, there's some wiggle room, obviously, there within orthodoxy, within those that are believers. Um, then the, the, what, about, what about heresies? You, you mentioned one here briefly. Are there any other areas that are clearly out of line um, on this doctrine of sin? Well, I would say what we're seeing right now is that uh, a lot of professing believers are letting the culture redefine the term. So sin is an acknowledgment that there is a righteous standard set by God, an absolute standard. But right now, I would say any any false teaching or heresy are those who are are not willing to call sin what God calls mm-hmm. it to 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 accept and embrace. I mean, some major denominations are struggling with it now and dividing over it. They're they're wanting to demonstrate the love of God for the sinner at mm-hmm. the at the cost of changing the definition of sin. And so the things that are an abomination to God are suddenly acceptable by Bible-believing yeah. Christians. And uh, that, that, that's a tough one because uh, in, in all of our lives, we have loved ones and friends who are practicing things that offend the holiness of God. Yep. And because we don't want to lose the relationship or we don't want to come across as judgmental, uh, we either look the other way or we accept. So I'd say that's probably the biggest concern I have mm. is just that in being gracious and loving, we not lose uh, the clarity on what is right and what's wrong. You, you yeah. preached on a Sunday. Yeah, I was say, that, that's pretty that, fresh for the me. The church yeah. had allowed it to be acceptable in the church yeah. what God found extremely repulsive and actually uh, offered his son's life for. Yeah, yeah. It's All of us wrestle as believers with that kind of that balance between Ephesus and Thyatira. You yeah. know, how do we yeah. be the church that's doctrinally discerning like yeah. Ephesus, but not lose our first love, as opposed to Thyatira, which went the opposite direction yeah. and were overly loving, but had no doctrinal discernment. You know, how yeah. do we speak the truth in love? How do we balance that challenge? I know that's that's something that we've had a lot of conversations in my household with my family yeah. about, you know, where is truth and where is grace and how do those two coincide and how do we do that? But at the very least, what to your point... What we cannot do is we cannot call something that is a sin, that is rebellion against God, to God, okay. That is absolutely out of line. I'm intrigued. So so many people run to the Gospels as their illustration and say, well, Jesus was the friend of sinners. But he also looked at the adulterous woman and said, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and sin no more. So he called it sin. He didn't change the definition. He just gave her grace and freedom. And uh, over and over again, I think as Christians, we we need to understand that. It's clearly we beheld his glory full of grace and truth in that inspired order. But the two of them live together. As we said, every thin yeah. pancake has two sides. Yeah. There's the grace side, there's the truth <clears throat> side. Jesus practiced grace while declaring truth. Yeah. So in this sin area, we don't, we're not forced to redefine 
what the culture is no longer willing to call sin. We can't do that, but we can still be gracious toward that sinner because yep. they are slaves. Yeah. Well, and I it, it never ceases to amaze me that that the person that talked the most about hell, you know, the ultimate judgment for sin was Christ himself as well. People don't think that way. You know, we tend to lose right. sight of that, that Christ had the strongest idea of Romans, you know, three, the, all is sin and fall short yeah. of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. Like exactly. that progression that we see in Romans that you've already highlighted, Christ was absolutely <laughs> fundamentally yeah. there, yeah. but we kind of selectively read it, and we, we like the, the grace, yeah. and we struggle a little bit with the truth side. Very good. Very good. Okay, finally, obviously, this doctrine of sin um, invades every area of life. We've talked about that. Um, so maybe speak a little bit both. Um, we're going to ask, you know, how does this impact the way we live? There's, there's both kind of a how does this impact those that aren't believers, and there's also a how does this impact those that are believers. Uh, try, to, try to speak to kind of both of those conditions and the impact on our lives. Well, uh, to the non-believer, the good news is this, that you cannot save yourself, but there is a Savior. So it's the gospel, it's the good news that there was a perfect one who came to pay the penalty. Either you pay it by your own eternal death, which physical death is just simply a picture of the eternal separation that ultimately comes as a result of sin, or there is another, that is Jesus, who paid the penalty for you. So my encouragement is to, in, in totally giving up on yourself, cry out for his mercy and grace, cast yourself on that, and, and he will save you. I think for the believer to recognize that even though you have been set free and your debt has been paid in full, past, present, and future for your sin, that uh, even the righteous man may fall seven times, but he mm. rises again. And, and so not to allow sin to defeat you, recognize yep. it for what it is, and don't try to redefine it so that you appease your conscience, but accept the fact that you are yet a redeemed sinner being saved, being sanctified day by day, and, uh, and rejoice in mm-hmm. that. If you confess that sin, he's faithful and just to forgive it. Don't deceive yourself and say that you don't sin, but recognize that you are not eternally condemned because the wrath's already been absorbed by another. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good encouragement. Kind of addresses what you were saying as far as an issue of over-realized eschatology, maybe yeah. thinking we'll be perfect today. Yeah. You know, you've already talked about it. One day we will be perfect, yes. you know, and that's a future hope for yeah. every believer. Um, but today, though, Christ has given us the power yeah. over sin, and we have the ability to say no. Uh, in our fallenness, we still <laughs> don't right. always that's say right. no, and that's the Christian life. You know, yep. we've talked about that a couple of times in our sermon series. This idea, and it's going to come up again this week. This idea of repentance. You know, we tend to think I repented once, I'm in that's good right. shape. And the Christian yep. life is a constant repentance, reminder, Tomorrow, today, of falling ourselves yep. on the on the foot of Christ at the foot of the cross. Very good. All right, listeners. Well, likely sin and this idea is a familiar concept to you. We know it's a weighty concept to have to uh, wrestle with. Let me let me attempt to summarize a little bit what we've talked about, just as a reminder to you about this doctrine of sin. Last week we talked about how mankind was created perfect, but in Genesis three we see how mankind rebelled against God and the sin entered the world. This rebellion, uh, rebellion of or this this concept of missing the mark really is that that term that Tom's talked about both commission the things we do and omission the things that we don't do that we should be doing and we miss God's perfect standard of perfection that is sin we find it all over through the Bible Romans is a great example all the Old Testament is meant to be a narrative example of sin and man's total depravity um, in the lives Ephesians two is a great place to go to talk about how we are totally dead um, that's a reality as well. 
And there are some disagreements within this as far as uh, how much is the, is the believer sanctified or sinless in this life, uh, this idea of what exactly does total depravity mean, how does that play itself out uh, within orthodoxy. But then there's also some heresies. You know, we have to be very, very careful not to redefine sin, not to make sin our standard, because by definition, sin is God's standard. Um, and there's, there's some to that. Obviously, the subject will come up again when we talk a little bit about election and that idea in a couple of weeks. Um, but that is basically a summary of it. Remember, even as believers, that you still have indwelling sin, that you're not perfect in this life. But that is not a reason for mm. frustration. That is not a reason for um, giving up, if you will. In some ways, as God opens up more areas of our lives and more areas of our heart to our total depravity, to our, to our sinful nature, it's an it's a encouragement that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. If, if new sins are constantly being revealed in your life, um, it's probably an emphasis that, that the Holy Spirit is at work and He's showing you things that you need to see. Sinners don't worry. You know, unbelievers don't worry about the sin in their That's life. Right. It doesn't bother right. them. But for those of us that are believers, the Holy Spirit continues to convict us of sin, and that's a good thing. Tom, any final words for our listeners on this subject before we wrap up? Well, I think I think mostly encouragement because some people are so discouraged, as you just said, by the, the constant new awareness of how far short they yet still yeah. fall. And I, I think, you know, Psalm 103, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay mm. us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Or Isaiah 1, though our sins are like scarlet, he'll make them white as snow. Yeah. Though they're red like crimson, they'll be like wool. Or you know, Micah 7, he has ground our sins under his foot and he cast them on the waves of the sea to remember them no more. Mm. The fact that they are a daily reminder to you of how desperately you need Jesus and yet by his grace, he has removed them and the penalty mm. forever from you. Yeah. And that's been paid for once for all on the yeah. cross, even the sins of this afternoon and tonight. Yep. Yep. Very good. Very good. Well, listeners, we do hope this has been an encouragement to you. Hopefully it's clarified some things as far as what we believe about sin and that doctrine. Um, and uh, let me remind you that this coming Sunday, we'll be looking at Christ's words to his fifth church, the church in Revelation of Sardis. And this subject of sin is going to come up again as Christ has some challenges for the church in Sardis. We encourage you to join us at either our 9 or 1030 services. We'd love to see you here. And thanks for listening this week, for taking the time out of your week. I know you're busy, and I know it's hard to find time for this, but we appreciate you taking the time and for joining us on this. If it's been helpful to you, just remember that you can share it with somebody, you can rate the podcast, or you can comment on it to help other people find it. And we do hope you join us again next week for Midweek in the Word. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Faith Bible Church, Lincoln, Nebraska, or on Twitter at the handle at FBC Lincoln. As for this week, we'll leave you with Paul's words to Timothy. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith.